everybody, welcome to Making It. This is episode 134. I'm Bob Claggett, here with David Picciuto. What's up, Bob Claggett? Not much, David Picciuto. What's going on? I'm just hanging out, recording a podcast. Right on. What's the We're name of the podcast? With... What's the name? Say the name it's of called the... Making It's it. called Making It. Making It. That's yeah. right. I just wanted to make sure we it's all a... remember the name. Yeah, it's a fantastic name for a podcast. It is, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We're also here with Jimmy Duresta. What's up? Hey, guys. How are you? How are you? Doing well. I'm good. I'm good. I'm tired. I, you guys know that I'm in LA. I flew here today. This is like the first announcement that I'm in LA. I'll be in LA for the week. I might mention it on my inst- my uh, my weekly vlog before this airs, but I'm here for a secret job. It's secret until further notice, until they tell me it's not secret anymore, which will probably be shortly. But uh, I'm here working for people, and I want to let them announce it before I announce it. But it's a fun project. You guys know what it is, and then soon enough, the audience will know. But it's very interesting. It's going to be... Probably one of the highlights of my career, if it works out. We'll see. That's amazing. Hmm. We'll see where it goes. Yeah. Yep. I just flew here, though, so I'm exhausted. I haven't slept in two days because I had so much work to do before I left. I had to build this bar cart for Don Julio, and it had to be done before I left the city or before I left New York State, rather. And so I was, like, working tirelessly on it to get it to be done to the point where then Brett could pack it and then ship it. So I... Put the finishing touches on it last night. Brett's got a little bit of buffing and polishing to do on it before it gets wrapped up, but I got it in got it in time, thankfully. And then I had to go home and pack. So I packed last night everything I needed for four weeks here, and that wasn't easy. I had to break out my old suitcase. I used to take to China all the time. It was covered with stickers. Four weeks. Four weeks. Man. Yeah. So I, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it to Maker Fair. I, I, I got. I'll find out more exactly tomorrow. Tomorrow will be Tuesday, and I'll be able with the schedule people. But uh, I don't. I have, I have. I have one thing to say yeah. to that. Sorry. <laughs> That's well, it. That's all I got. And the, to quote my brother, I'm sorry I exist. <laughs> I had to be. <laughs> yeah. No. It's it's a bummer. I, I had. A, I, I. I'm going to be running around like a chicken without a head for the next four weeks. So I don't think I'm going to be able to get out there. Is Taylor yeah. going to come and visit you? Yeah, she's actually going to drive. She's she's going to pick up her oh. mother in Chicago and drive here. She's crazy. She wants to drive. Oh, wow. She wants to do the road trip. We were going to do it together, but there was no time for me. They need me tomorrow, so unfortunately. She's really just doing that so you can bring you in like an ice pick and a bunch of knives. Oh, so I, I got all right? that. I, I had to check a bag for oh, four okay. weeks. I had to check my, like I said, my old, I had a trout, like a Zero Halliburton case. It's like a fancy uh, suitcase that I bought years ago because when I was traveling to China all the time, my cases would always break when I get to the other side. So I bought this fancy case, and it's been around the world like 10 times. And it was hmm. covered with stickers like China Airlines, British Airways, and I cleaned them all off last night. And now I'm going to start putting YouTube stickers on it. So it's fun. Nice. Yep. So I'm here, and it's exciting. And, and like I said, the news will be out shortly if you haven't figured it out already. So Yeah. Awesome. Well, David, what have you been up to? Well, I've been working on new house and old house stuff and neglecting woodworking projects so i'm still trying to figure out what we're going to make tomorrow so i hmm. guess you'll find out <laughs> on thursday when the video comes out <laughs> we did finish up the uh um the drop leaf table and it's a square table which you think a square table would be really easy to make and i made every single mistake you could possibly make that on this that table. is a very complicated joint that you did there yeah, so uh, a couple of things I did wrong was um, the major thing I did wrong. I didn't even notice until the project was done 
was the drop leaf hinge is shorter on one side, longer on the other. The longer side has to go on the movable part. And then the barrel of the hinge doesn't go on the edge. It goes where the router profile ends, which is kind of hard to yeah. explain. On in the theoretical podcast. center. It goes in the theoretical center of the curve. Exactly. And I had the, um, the hinge flipped around. And so mm. the hinge is actually on the edge. And it still works. And you actually get to see this beautiful hinge. Uh, it's just done wrong. And the funny thing is, this is a sponsored video with Bruso. So I explained in the video that I, this was my mistake. The directions are super clear with the hinge. They say to do it this way. And I completely... <laughs> I just didn't read them. I just didn't read them. <laughs> and, um, but the table came out fine. I, the One of the things I didn't even think about was the uh, the drop leaf is one of the corners of the square table. And when I cut the corner off and you put the corner back on, it still fits. But then when you route the two profiles, it actually makes that little corner smaller and the whole thing is not a square anymore, if that makes yeah, any it's, sense. It's like, yeah, it's got a diamond on the corner, a small diamond. Yeah. So I had to, had to recut. And then I tried to do a bull nose profile around the edge and my router bit wasn't um tight in the router and it slipped a little bit and it screwed oh. that like i made so many mistakes on this table it hmm. came out great it looks beautiful but when i it still has some negative energies around it when i look at it i'm like grrr <laughs> huh. yeah. well at least you got it done i got That's it good. done yes it, it looks really really nice thank you i was impressed with it thank you and the good the good thing about something like that is and i tell people all the time my students is that you did that and you made all those mistakes you make it again and you'll probably make it perfect because you're fully yeah. aware of everything you did wrong you're 100% right. Yeah. Mm. So. Um, for me, I, I can we have a little therapy session? Sure. <laughs> Is that okay? I'm in a rut. Okay. Uh-oh. Yeah. I don't, I, I, the move, you know, which I don't want to continue to beat the dead horse of the move. Everybody knows we moved. But it's, it's we really We could talk tough. about that Like today's subject is about the move, so. Moving, yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe the next like four or five weeks, we should just talk about moving. Um, now it it just like unsettles everything, obviously. You know, like everything's in boxes, everything's out of whack. Um, but since I've been working up in the house and trying to like my office is almost done, so I've been spending a lot of time working down there. The shop is way more organized than it was last week, which is really good. Start, I got a bunch of tools like in usable places. And so now I'm getting close to the point to where I could actually start making projects that are like standalone projects again. And I sat down today thinking, all right, this week I need to make at least one, you know, just a thing, like an object. And I looked through this giant list of stuff I have, and I was just like, I none of these things are small enough for me to make in a few days, for one. And anything that is small enough is just uninteresting and just... You know, like I, I just not into it. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to like when you get in that position and you're in between like giant projects and uninteresting things, what do you do? Just start well, making something. <laughs> start, start, start tinkering. And that's really where I've come up with some really good projects. I, I've talked about mm -hmm. this example before is, is that that treasure chest, which has become such a classic item for me. So many people copy it and send me pictures of it. That little plasma cut treasure chest. You know, you just start tinkering around with materials and you know, kind of give yourself like a, a concept salad. Just write down a couple things, stick them in a hat, shake them up, see what's in there. Start making a list of huh. names, things to do, musical instruments, ukulele. You know, you just like start going. You, you really got to just like open your mind and just like start 
doing a brain dump. Hmm. Sometimes I'll I'll clean the shop like like a really good clean organization, or I'll go in and calibrate a tool. And you know, once once the tool is calibrated for whatever reason, I want to use it for something, and I I force myself hmm. to to figure out how to use it. That's a know? that's a great idea, Dave. Because what hap- I do the same exact thing when I when I'm a little anxious or I don't have like a good idea, I just start sweeping. And welder used to say it all the time because oh something's wrong, he's sweeping. Because I just start like anxiously sweeping the shop real thoroughly, and that exercise alleviates my thoughts and then they come more clearly and then that's what i usually kind of i can organize my brain and organize some concepts or just start start to sort of subconsciously brainstorm and freely come up with stuff Mm. so that's it like go to the shop and just put together the saw that's still dismantled or build that corner table or organize a drawer and it's a good piece of advice works for me Mm. yeah okay Maybe I just need to start tomorrow doing that. Yeah. Or use the time to, you know, you said you haven't watched any YouTube. Maybe just use the time to watch, catch up on your YouTube and see what other people are doing. And maybe one of those things sparks the the thing that you have to work on right now. Yeah, that's true. Hey, it's really weird that there all, all of the ideas that I am excited about are things that would take a huge amount of time. Like, you know, I, I just... And, and trying to get back on a schedule, I think that's part of it. Like, I'm putting a certain amount of pressure on myself trying to get back into, like, constant production. And maybe I'm just not there yet. Maybe I just need to let myself off the hook for that. But, you know, when I think about getting that, getting back to that uh, schedule or, or like, not even, not a schedule as much as maybe momentum. Mm-hmm. You know, getting back to, like, a productive momentum. Um, I just think about, like, you know... I want to make an R2-D2. <laughs> <laughs> I saw your post earlier today. <laughs> That'll take like a year or two or 10. What or, if you, you made know, an whatever. R2-D2? I mean, what if you made an R2-D2 out of paper? Like a, like a desk size one. Paper and yeah. Elmer's glue. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the basics. Yeah. I think, I think part of it is I'm beginning, which is something I've not really done in the past, but I'm beginning to second guess my gut reactions to things mm-hmm. too. Hmm. Um, and I'm second guessing them based on the, uh, audience, which I used to not do at all. Like I used to just like, okay, I want to make a whatever that has a whatever, you know, how can I make that interesting for me? That's what I would think about. And now I think I want to make this thing, but like, are people going to think that's interesting? Is it going to be, is it going to apply to enough people? And then I go like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not me. That's not You just got to stop making it because all the things, all the details that are in it. Those are the juicy bits that you can't you can't write into a script. You can't can't foresee them. Mm. Yeah, so you got to just stop making something. And, oh yeah. Oh, this is a great technique to show here, which you wouldn't have thought of first before you thought of the project first. Right. That's a good point. Uh, if we're on the therapy session, I've been second guessing myself, but in a completely different way. And hmm. I second guessing myself: Am I still relevant to YouTube? Like I see. Um, I know we're not supposed to compare ourselves yeah, you to lay down other people. For this one, you're going to lay down. Right? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I'm laying down now. <laughs> okay. And I'm, I'm seeing all these other right. channels just like doing so well and just blowing right past me. And I'm like, what? I know they're just doing something right and maybe I'm not doing anything wrong, but I start second guessing myself and like, do people still care? I'm not getting the I'm not getting the the shares from the magazines anymore. You know the popular mechanics mm. and all that. And and um, my I'm I'm still making I'm still making money. I'm still able to pay the bills. But I'm 
I just didn't fine. I feel the same way because Boing Boing used to share my stuff all the time. They never they haven't shared anything of mine in nearly two years. In the beginning, Boing Boing was always re- re- reposting my stuff. Boing Boing and a couple of other guys. It's and it's been a while, and I I definitely go through yeah. the same exact thoughts now and again. But I figured if every once in a while I'll come up with that one thing that you know is a runaway. It's been I do think like few and far know, between publications like publications like that though that we get used to promotion. You know, we get used to like the attention from popular mechanics. In my mind, is a great example because it's like a well respected, legit magazine, uh, and that feels very validating to get you know shared by them Mm -hmm. but then like when that doesn't happen you have to think about like who they're trying to appease who their audience is and they have to be able to show varied content they can't show the same 10 people or whatever over and over and over they have to spread out Mm -hmm. you know which makes each each of us have uh fewer shares from groups like that but um i don't know it's it's easy to take that stuff and be like oh is something wrong but it could have nothing to do with us and more to do with them needing to like, you know, bring in multiple types of content and share different types of people. Sure. I think, uh, I think, go ahead. I was going to say, I think one of the things that contributes to the worry is I just made this major lifestyle change of moving into a new house and, Mm. um, you know, we haven't sold the old house yet. So we have two mortgages. Like, did I make the right decision? I feel like I did. I, I, but you know, I'm just, I think it's, I think I think it's just in my nature to second guess myself. Yeah. I'm also finding and I think this is probably relevant to you too, maybe both of you, that um <clears throat> like transitional times in any any part of your life, like any transition, you look at the end result of that transition from where you are in the middle of it. So like I look at it from today from this, you know, 3:49 p.m. on this Monday, I look at our house and that going forward, it's going to look like this. It's going to be piles of junk everywhere. There's going to be boxes. There's going to be unfinished rooms because I'm in the middle of it. And this is the lens that I see the future, you know, through right now, but it's, this is the transition. And once this transition is complete and we're settled and these things are, you know, the boxes are put away and the rooms are finished, it's going to look really differently. And so at at least for me, it's sometimes tough to look past the the moment that I'm in transition and think like, you know, this is just a temporary between A and B and eventually we're going to be at B. Things are going to be very different from that point going forward. And there'll be a different transition, right? I mean, like for me, I'll get settled here. The house will settle and everything. And then the kids will become teenagers. That's a crazy transition. And that'll seem like it's going to go on forever, but then they won't be teenagers forever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So... Maybe maybe take it that way, you know, that you're transitioning right now and the stuff won't always be in the state that it's in. True. Very true. Need to remind my, myself of that. <laughs> anyway, well, uh, thanks for listening to me in my uh, therapy session. <laughs> Just another, and, another, and if, go ahead, Dick. You go, go ahead, Jimmy. I was, was going to say, <laughs> Jimmy, it's your turn. I'm <laughs> handing it over to you. There's a delay. I'm Jimmy, sorry. Um, I have bad internet at this hotel. Um, I was going to say another a simple way to get out of like a rut, Dave or Bob, is to uh, pick a simple project to make and figure out how to make it a little extraordinary. I always use the example of a napkin holder. Hmm. You know, take a napkin holder and what what could you make? How could you make a napkin holder extraordinary? How could you make a toilet paper holder extraordinary or a simple shelf that can hide something? You know, so you take the ordinary and try and figure out how to make it extraordinary, and that's that's always a good project, hmm. simple project. I like that. 
Thank you. Yeah. David, did you have something? You guys were fighting over talking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. I'll, okay. I'll, just, I'll just let it go. Jimmy made a good point, and we'll, hmm. we'll end it with that. I find that I, like, um, I'm coming up with excuses for myself, too, a lot. Uh, you know, that, like, you're talking about extraordinary. My first thought was, like, oh, yeah, I'll use a different material. You know, I'll make a napkin holder out of, I don't know, something else. And then I go, oh, well, I don't have that material. I can't, I don't have any material here interesting enough to make it in a different way, so I can't use that idea. Such an awful excuse, right? But, like, that's where my brain goes. Um, that, like, oh, well, I don't have time to make a really interesting design, or I don't have a unique material to use for it, or I don't have, you know, and I just come up with these, oh, I can't, I can't, I don't, I mm. can't. Um, which is totally opposite of what you're saying, Jimmy. It's just, like, get in there, do it with mm-hmm. whatever wood is laying around. And that's a simple thing. enough project that you could you, know. you could start over halfway through. You say, you know what, this is a dumb idea. Let, yeah. me, let me take a different approach. Yeah. Excellent idea. Yep. Jimmy, do you need therapy with anything right now? <clears throat> uh, yeah, I'm taking a big bite, taking this trip, and I just need someone to hug me and tell me I made the right decision. <laughs> oh, this no, it, is going it, to work out so good for you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, it is, I, I, it is I, the right decision. I have good vibes. It's either going to be like a, just a moment in time, or it's going to be a moment in time that probably is going to last. But that's you know that's that's the chances we take. But I'm lit- I'm actually away from New York. I'm going to be away from New York for four weeks, unless I actually force them to let me go home for at least a day or two. So I'm a little nervous. Make a fair. <clears throat> <Make> a fair. <laughs> I'm a little nervous <laughs> in the way that checks go to my mailbox and someone has to physically take them and deposit them because I'm getting checks from several different sources. So, you know, I can't have direct deposit from all my different clients. So literally get a check. I got to go. You know, so Taylor's got an assignment ahead of her to go and deal with all that stuff. And uh, that's the only thing that's really got me a little neurotic is just being yeah. away from the shop for four weeks. But Brett's going to be there. He's got some stuff to do and deal with. And We'll be in touch and talking, and and I have a shop at my disposal here. I will see it tomorrow for the first time at seven a.m. and oh. hopefully they'll let me play with there and make some stuff there, like I have in the past. Oh. Like when I used to go to Dickel and I would make stuff at the, uh, or rather at the Bullet Distillery. I've made a couple of videos from there, so who knows? We'll see. We'll see what happens. But it's going to be exciting. Did you make- did you bring the Nikon with you? I didn't bring the Nikon. I brought my uh, my little Canon, the one I keep on my hip, and oh, I brought okay. a bunch of GoPros and I brought the drone. So we'll see. I'm gonna make some hmm. epic shots of the napkin holders yeah. I'm gonna make out of the seashells uh. <laughs> that are nearby. <laughs> out of seashells? That's genius. I'm near Mal- I'm, re- I'm near Malibu Beach. I'm 20 miles away from Malibu, California. Nice. So I'm gonna go over there and. Celebrity watch. Be hot in your black t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go stand on the beach in my, my t-shirt and jeans. Man, this black t-shirt and leather jeans are super hot. <laughs> it's 80 degrees today. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. So, we're supposed to talk about the shop of the future, right? That's Isn't right. That what this we'll is a popular mechanics week? episode, the shop of the future. Yes. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. I, if I remember right, I think the topic was what's the shop going to look like a hundred years from now. Yep. It came out of that last week like when a... we were talking about the laser bandsaw. <laughs> Brainstorming yeah. on the laser yeah. bandsaw. A hundred years seems unknowable. Okay. Can we, do Do you want to bring it back? Maybe fifty years. We can. We can. Uh, we can just talk about the shop of the future. We can. We yeah. can break it down oh. into whatever time frame we want. All yep. the way to the year two thousand. <laughs> <Yep. laughs> <laughs> Let me get my I black robe on, Conan. Hold on. 
Um, I don't know. What do, you, what do you guys think about this? Do you have any I, like I, definitive thoughts? I really think it's there's going to be less dust and maybe less waste, maybe safer. So going on with the bandsaw laser project that Jimmy and William came up with, maybe there's a technology in the near future where it's a there's a miter saw and a table saw that it that you tell it what kind of material you're running through it and it'll say wood and it will only cut wood won't cut your hand there will be some sort of um tube or suction to suck up any kind of smoke or or exhaust and there's no dust that's that's my very first thought is some sort of laser based theme I I had a now what we're doing now what we're doing is really interesting is we're ideate we're ideating on the is that the right word ideating I, I, yeah on the future yeah. like we're kind of doing a futurisms or whatever like a Sid Mead would do the futurist the guy that drew all the pictures um, I this isn't necessarily a shop thing although I do have a I have an interesting shop concept I want and and I, I hope I didn't talk about this last week on our show because I talked about it with Brett I think I want a microwave that I could stick my old computers in and then dial it and then it would suck all the information out and then it would just put it on the hard drive that's in the toaster next to it. So it could <laughs> suck up. So, cause I have computers. I don't have the charger for them anymore. I don't have the plug for them anymore. I don't have the, the super fire wire that used to have like the one arrow pointed side. So I have all these computers and I just want something to be able to energize it and read its mind and suck all the information hmm. out of it. So you could like stick a laptop in it like a big piece of toast and then it just and then bing pops out. It's like all the information's <laughs> taken off. And then there's pictures That's of me awesome. and there's like because I got iPhoto libraries. I have I probably have eight laptops. And I was just about to show you the laptop I'm talking on. It's got tape all over it. I have thumb drives taped to it. If I could send you I could send you a picture of my thing, you're gonna crack up. All my laptops look like that. They end up getting covered with stickers, and I can't find my flash drive, so I just tape it to the front of it, so I always know where it is. And it, it would be nice to be able to access the information on all those computers. Like I said, all I have is the computer. I don't have mm. any plugs to get in and out of them. I don't have any of the plugs to turn them into, you know, to electrify them. So the idea of just taking old technology and just sticking it into something that could just absorb the information and boop, it comes onto the drive, the new drive. That kind of triggers a couple of thoughts for me is what if your miter saw and your table saw has memory and loads a file just like your CNC or laser mm-hmm. cutter would. So if you, hmm. if, you know, if you make chairs for a living and you have 10 different style of chairs, okay, I need to make the legs for this particular chair. I load up that file. It moves the fence. It sets the blade height and whatever. And then I'm ready to go. You know what that is? That's like, that's like a... It's like a lathe, like a repeater, like it will hold a piece of wood and drag it over a table saw blade and move it in and out. Like mm. a lot of guys do that, you know, mechanically. They would basically mm-hmm. be like a CNC mm-hmm. table saw, a way to like make a profile on a leg. That's certainly doable huh. now. I mean, but somebody would have to well, actually I mean, implement think, that think, as a product. Do you think something like that, what you're talking about, David, would be overkill for the general use for, like, is there a specific use case where that would make the most sense? Or are you talking about for basically all cuts. I, I think it would be overkill for somebody like us who we're always trying to make something different. I think I think it's a lot of the technology is going to come out of 
what contractors need and what uh, businesses need. You know, that repeatable thing where they can save time setting up. But, you know, if you maybe you are somebody like me and you're doing craft shows and I only make these wine holders every fall to sell at the winter craft shows. So instead of me bringing up my old plans and getting the tape measure out, I just load it up on the table saw or the miter saw and I start making cuts. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So I was thinking about this and, and thinking about where shops are now versus 50 years ago, um, as a way to like, see what the jump would be, you know? And if you think about like the, the wood shop, whether the, the home wood shop or the wood shop at a school and a shop class or something, the way it was 50 years ago or around there, you know, there was a lot of heavy metal machine. There were a lot of even in schools, there were that's right, metal. There were a lot of uh, lathes. There were a lot of big, you know, delta table saws, big hefty machines that these kids were learning how to use uh, with probably a little supervision, but not a ton. <laughs> and then you know, you jump forward fifty years, and now that stuff has been a lot of it has been removed. And even in home shops, the amount of uh, like heavy, sturdy machinery has been dropped down to a lot of plastic, a lot of smaller, a lot of cheaper uh, stuff. And I think safety's part of that, especially in the cool, uh, school setting where, you know, they've just taken a lot of that out for liability. And so I kind of feel like that trend will probably continue in a way that the machines are going to have to be more safe or they're going to be, using mechanisms that are just like, there's just no way to get really hurt with a 3d printer. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You can burn your finger, but you're not going to cut anything off probably. Um, and so I kind of feel like as you know, in like 50 years or so, you're going to have really limited, and this is a shame. I'm, I'm saying this as like, this would bum me out, but I kind of feel like it's going in the direction of you're going to have fewer bladed tools. You're going to have more enclosed uh, you know, like a CNC machine that's in a big box where you stick the wood in, you close the door before it does anything, and then it does its thing. Uh, so I think like in a school setting and uh, even in a production setting, that's probably what's going to happen, which is kind of a bummer. But even in like a home shop, uh, you know, those digital tools, whether people like them or not, are probably going to become a much more often used thing just to get stuff done, you know? Yeah. That's what I was going to CNC, 3D printer, whatever. That's what I was going to say is that the 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 big four by eight CNC is really because sheet goods are going to continue to come in four by eight for probably a long time, and if you could just take a big piece of melamine or whatever it is and throw it onto a four by eight machine and then lay out all your work on that one piece of board, there's where you can get some repeatable stuff and some stackable. You can make some like topographical type of approaches to boxes and you know baskets and stuff like that. And, you know, that type of thing will become more and more sophisticated. But I, I was thinking in terms of like the table saw and blade technology is going to keep getting better and better. And I, I kind of had a vision of uh, like a router, like a central router that stuck up out of a table like a table saw. And that router blade became the actual blade, like the dual blade. It could do all kinds of different things. And so instead of having a table saw with a 10-inch circular blade, you have a router that sticks up out of the table with like a half-inch kerf, for instance, maybe even smaller. And then that router mm -hmm. spins so fast and it could remove material enough where you could stick a sheet of plywood through it. You could do that now, but it became, becomes more practical so that you know the, the rotation will keep it against the fence so it doesn't pull away from the fence as you push it through. 
It's just a thought. And then hmm. you could use that same thing for, uh, you know, just like a saw blade, you would edge. So I don't know. I, I just kind of had this vision of, of like a, an industrial router sticking through a table that becoming like a dual type of saw or, you know, saw hmm. in quotes, but using that, like just a rotational motor. Because you talk about making things a little bit simpler. If you just had like a straight up direct drive rotational motor sticking up out of the table. You'd simplify the trunnions yeah. and everything else and, you know, the belt drive systems and everything. Hmm. Just a thought. And then I had another – I had a table. This is the table saw of the future that I thought of a long time ago and it occurred to me today in preparing this concept to talk about. I had this idea years ago and I think somebody's already doing it now. It's a ta- – you know how the arbor in the middle of a 10-inch blade restricts the depth of cut? So you can really – like considering the table height – I mean the, the thickness of the actual work table – the arbor, you get out of a 10-inch blade, you can really only get a 3-inch cut, right? And I'll tell you, so the, right. the maximum. Yeah. If you could eliminate spinning that blade with the arbor at the center and you could turn it from the edge. So imagine the assault blade has got like sprockets all along the outside edge, like a series of sprockets hmm. radiating from the center. And it's just a solid disc with no hole in the middle. But you like push a lever and it opens up like four gears that open up and then you put the blade in and then it grabs them right on the edge gear. They're like a sideways gear. And it's not even a sideways gear. It's just a perforation around the outside edge. Make sense? Yeah. So you have like – you basically have like a, a sideways sprocket but they're just perforations in a flat disc. And you have your saw teeth at the end. And these four wheels grab that blade and spin it. So you could literally get – out of a 10-inch circular disc, you can probably cut – like a good eight-inch curve, because the mechanism hmm. holding that blade is below the table. As long as that mechanism right. doesn't fail and that blade right. comes out exactly your face, <laughs> exactly. But no, it, it actually meshes into those teeth holes that are in. The, so it literally meshes in it. This was something mm-hmm. that I, it, I, I was, I've been playing with this for just in sketches. I haven't actually. Years ago, I was playing with a plasma torch, a torch that would cut just by hand, and I cut out just the edge of a saw blade. So I cut out the whole entire middle. So basically, and I was just joking, like it's like a throw thing, like from the James Bond, like the hat, brim of the hat that could throw and stick in the wood. Mm-hmm. So I had this basically like a Frisbee and with like a one inch band away from the teeth, the carbide teeth. And that's where I got the idea from initially a few years back. I never did anything with it. And like I said, I think somebody's doing something like it already. So the idea of just taking a saw blade and eliminating the arbor and just grabbing it hmm. right, right, huh. right from the outside edge. And then this way you could, Still package a 10-inch. To get an 8-inch cut out of a circular saw blade, you need a circular saw blade that's going to be, you know, 22 inches or something like that. Now you can yeah. still get an 8-inch cut out of a 10-inch blade. So patent it. <laughs> I have another idea. And this um, maybe comes out of the shaper router technology. But what if you had like a a jigsaw or a circular saw that always cut to like you used a special pencil and it left like a, a a certain material that the tool could read and it always cut to that line or Ooh. or tape like you laid down tape and it would always cut right to the edge of that tape right that that's is yeah cool that's idea. a little bit like shaper cutting on the vector or, or next to it or not i forgot about shaper shaper is an incredible tool i only got to play with it for a day it was honestly i mean when i got the prototype it was still a little bit complicated and had to tether to a computer and stuff and so I had a little bit of a difficult time just kind of smoothly testing, test driving it. But when I had it figured out and I was working it, man, what a, what an incredible tool that thing is going to be. That's really going to be revolutionary. Yeah. 
it's it's really really a great concept. I mean, if you want to figure it out once it gets all tweaked and everything, I know they're going into production any minute now. That's going to be fun to play with. Yeah, I think that's one of those things that could easily go into a school shop because it's just way safer to use. Yeah. Um, but you can get like you know really you can have programmatic design out of it, but you can also just more safely use a router with you know than the way you would typically use it. So stuff like that, I think, is like a really big leap forward and in, in, in a couple of different directions. And it would be great in a school setting or in some or in the setting of like a, a home shop and somebody that doesn't maybe do woodworking all the time, but they need to be able to do that type of stuff on occasion. You know, mm-hmm. like they got to have whatever I get out more to some hints, um, some hinges from the door, you know, and if, you, if that's not something you do very often. Uh, but you have a tool like the shaper like that can totally help you do that in a perfect fashion without or having to learn a whole lot of stuff or be dangerous or or cutting out the perfect square in your drywall for uh, a light switch yeah instantly <laughs> yeah it's a good point hmm. Hmm. i do think like 3d printers uh are going to be way bigger in the next 10 years i think they're gonna uh, there's still gonna be a learning curve because there's that software kind of like firewall in between you and what you actually want to accomplish. So software's even the best software is still an inhibitor for a lot of people. But I see 3D printing as being one of those things that's going to become way more ubiquitous. I can't say I feel the same way about like the laser or the CNC. Um, Maybe for woodworkers, I could see the CNC becoming a lot more commonplace, you know, in 50 years, it being something that most woodworkers had. But, like, the laser, I don't know. I I, lo- I like it, but I just... Do you think it's going to be, like, a really if, common if it, thing? Yeah, I mean, if it can cut... I used it 10 times yesterday, I cut, just cutting mostly with the logos and stuff. But I when I do... Whenever I fire up the laser, now that I'm better understanding it, I start playing... I put my name on everything. See, I'm showing you my phone. <laughs> but I start test cutting everything. And if I had a laser that was a little bit more powered, man, have a laser table saw, that would be awesome. I mean, it's always going to obviously leave a burn unless they figure out like a cold laser or something like that. But laser is fun. I, I can't wait to have a bandsaw, laser bandsaw. That is going to be cool. Is, if it can cut three quarter inch, in- <laughs> that would be great. Is there room in woodworking for water jet cutters? Maybe. I mean, right now, water jet cutting is very expensive, uh, so I've been told. I don't have any personal experience. I mean, I know the Wazer that I did get to play with. That's my only experience with water jet cutting. The the uh, the, the the aggregate that gets squirted through the water is only a one-time use, and that's where a lot of the cost comes in. When we uh, were at I MIT, we visited MIT, and they run the machine, and it's called Garnet. The Garnet is mixed in with the water pressure. It's part, it's, what the, it's basically like the, the tooth in the cut and it's it costs hundreds of dollars a day to run the machine to because that stuff is just a one-time use you can't recycle it and use it again as far as I'm, as far as i know so that when it comes to water jet cutting i mean you probably you could probably water jet cut wood and leather because it's so soft you know it's kind of a cellulose based material you could probably mm-hmm. just cut it without garnet i'm assuming just, but you know i'm gonna get hate mail for saying that i'm sorry well, <laughs> well hmm. maybe or even air pressure can you cut with air pressure like a fine i don't know oh you just I, see, uh, I think you would you need some sort of a an abrasive there too you know yeah 
You would need something. Sand? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of like a sandblast cutter, and then it recycles yeah. the sand. <clears throat> yep. But, I mean, even things like that, like, uh, I can see them both being useful, that and the laser. But do you think they're going to be common? More, like, way more common than they are now? Well, when you think of table saws, it's funny. Do uh, you guys remember when Johnny Cash's brother got injured with, like, a table saw in the beginning of the Johnny Cash biopic? Oh, yeah. So, like, table saws, yeah. like, from that generation, you know, weighed thousands of pounds because they were just big, giant cast iron sawmill saws. And then in the 40s and 50s, they started making these little tiny table saws just to handle dimensional lumber. And then when the lumber started changing shape, the table saw went to like a cabinet so they could handle like a four by eight sheet. And then the, the fencing systems started to accommodate the, you know, so you cut a full four by eight into two four by fours and so on. And uh, so the table saw has changed as the material has changed. So it'll be interesting to see if the material does make another change, if the table saw will change ultimately. They're going to start selling four by eight sheets of eight inch thick board. That's when you're going to need my table saw. (laughs) Eight inch thick blade. (laughs) You have to buy a giant truck just to be able to get a sheet of (laughs) four by eight by eight home. (laughs) Four by eight by eight inches of a weight. 300 pounds, 500 pounds. Yeah. Like, I just feel like. I don't, well, I guess it really depends on who you're talking about. Like, if you're thinking about the general hobbyist woodworker person, then that's, you know, there's a specific set of tools that those people would use on a regular basis, which may change over time. I'm not saying they won't change. But then, like, a hardcore, like, furniture maker, you know, they use different tools. Like, somebody who makes small handcrafts use different tools. So it's kind of hard to say, like, from a ubiquity standpoint like what's going to be in all the shops i guess when i think about the laser and like stuff like that it still feels like even in the future like putting logos on things with the laser is still going to be a pretty narrow swath of the woodworking mm-hmm. you know did you see that you see that new laser whatever. thing that they were kind of they kind of went around this weekend the laser on a little tri- tripod you could you could laser things right on your table oh yeah is that real i i, I don't i don't know i think it's a kickstarter or a or a uh, a GoFundMe. They're trying to raise the money for it. It seemed, seemed too good to be true. Yeah, I mean, it seems dangerous, too. I mean, the, aren't lasers not supposed to come in? Well, here I am talking about making a band saw. But uh, if someone's going <laughs> to sell that thing, to, I'm making one. We're going to make one off. We're not going to sell the band saw idea. But that's basically a laser band yeah. saw. It doesn't have any enclosure and could burn through a tabletop, you know, or even skin, of course. Or you could pick it up and point it at the cat's eyes and you know, the cat go cross-eyed. So. Create super cat? Yeah. <laughs> Give the cat a no Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it, was, it was like a blue laser, which I know are, you know, they have like, it's a different frequency. They have different power and all this stuff. But it feels like that, I don't know. Maybe that's real. Somebody that knows can let us know if that's a real video or not. But it felt to me like... Yeah, you could theoretically engrave a piece of paper with this little desktop laser box. <laughs> you know, who knows? I haven't seen this thing yet, so now I'm very curious. It's like a cube yeah, on a it's tripod. Just like a little, yeah, it looks like a little GoPro type, you know, box on a tiny little tripod that sits on a desk, and they like put a piece of paper or leather or something in front of it, and it's just like going back and forth, like burning a little something but it's you know. know it's doing this so it's like the laser you gotta imagine the laser is going out of focus because it's going to be it, instead of it's on going like this oh, it's on like a little swinging. pendulum it's like on a pendulum pivoty thing 
It must be because there's obviously no XYZ coordinates inside of it. So you probably have like an out of focus -y kind of, if you're going to try and render something precise. Oh. I like the word, I like the word pivoty. <laughs> it's, <good. laughs> it's an a pivoty pendulum. Pendulumily. Pivoty? Well, you know, another, another well, thing, about? another thing that, to think about is how fasteners are going to work, how nails are going to go in. Now, now I remember battery operated oh. nail gun was like, it was like the Holy Grail of just 10 years ago. Now that everyone's making them, we just saw a bunch of them when we were in Nashville. So, yeah, you know, and I'm sure, sure there's other I guys. I think there's a whole market for knockdown furniture. People don't buy houses when they're 22 years old now. They rent places and people, so people are moving constantly and we need furniture that's knockdownable. So what if there was like a Festool Domino type machine that made some sort of joint, you, you pop in the piece of metal and, and, it, it fits together either with magnets or screws or whatever. You know? Have you seen there's this thing that I've gotten emailed to me a few times from rent, friends and relatives. It's a, it, it is like a domino thing that you could screw together blindly by spinning a magnet right next to the oh, coupler. I did see Remember that? that? It went around yeah, on Facebook. Yeah. I wonder how well that works. You couldn't yeah. really dial something home with a magnet spin. You know what I mean? You couldn't really yeah. cinch it down you know, for a nice final stop. But that's, that's, I don't know. I think you probably could. You think so? I mean... Yeah, I think so. Do you remember, if you've ever seen it, the Smarter Everyday video with the programmable magnets? Did you ever see that one? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, the way, I mean, you just need to watch it. I'll link to it in the show notes because it's, it's awesome. But essentially, they can put a piece of metal in this machine and they print the magnet. So instead no of, kidding. you know, typically a magnet is always the positives on the top, negatives on the bottom, and the field goes up around and comes back down. And so it's just like a loop. But they can print both of those field points or multiple points on the same surface so you can have you know like a positive shaped square area with negative all around it and negative on the inside of it so you can have stuff that is only attracted to that square area right. or whatever the case may be but it they had a, a proof of concept like um i guess it was like a cabinet latch to where like it you could only get this thing to latch if you put a magnet on it and you twisted it in a certain direction or something like that and then the whole thing would latch and there was no handle there was no mm -hmm. it's just you know i don't remember the specifics of how that part of it worked but when i saw that i was like whoa that could change a lot of stuff and i haven't heard since then if they've you know put that stuff into production anywhere if it's being commercialized i'm sure it is but um, it seemed like it could be a really big thing for what you're talking about, David, for, mm -hmm. you know, furniture that can be really solid, but at the same time can be knocked down. I, I do wonder though, if, <clears throat> um, if we are as a society are so used to things being disposable at this point that knockdown repackable furniture just wouldn't make it, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think people are so used to just like, well, my Ikea, you know, table worked in that apartment. I'm going to throw it away and just buy another one when I get to the new place <laughs> or whatever. The other thing though, too, yeah. is fashion. It, like we, we're a society where we just constantly buy things because we need to, we need something to make us feel better. You know, like I constantly, mm. like if you buy a GoPro and in a month from now, the new GoPro comes out, you're like, oh, you look at the one in your hand and you're like, why did you make me buy you? Now I got to buy a better one. You know, so it's like yeah. the same thing with phones and furniture and and like every move is an opportunity to spend every bit of credit you got on your credit card to get something new. It's like, oh, while we're moving, why don't we just get a new rug? 
and a new couch yeah. and a new piano. And yeah. let's replace the doors because the couch looks so much better next to the new doors. You know, so that's the society we live in and it like doesn't stop and it's not going to slow down anytime soon, especially that's m- true. making things easier, like going to Home Depot constantly, <laughs> you know, and every time you go there, there's a new special. It's like I have 17 toolboxes, but I need another one because that one's so cool looking and it's only $500 <laughs> where the first one I bought seven yeah. years ago was 2000 I'm like, look at that. That's only 500 I need that. Yeah. It's funny you say that because we just moved. So we've fallen in, not really fallen into a lot of those traps, but I've seen a lot of that in mm-hmm. our, you know, like when we were leaving, we said, should we take our couches or should we leave them and donate them and get new ones there? The couches were like 15 years old, so they've, <laughs> they've done their job. So we left them and we got new ones here. We've talked about the couches and stuff, but it was really interesting. Like we have the opportunity to move into a new house and buy all this stuff. Like what's worthwhile and what's just us being like consumers <laughs> and we just want to have a new whatever, you know? Um, and it's funny because we have never had a TV in our bedroom ever. 15 years of marriage. We've never had a TV that we've, well, well we put one in there one time when we didn't watch it. So we took it out. <clears throat> well, the way our house is set up now, there's a door that I have to put on our boys' room. So right now, if we watch TV in the living room, they can hear it. Keeps them awake, so we haven't been watching TV at night. So I was like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we bought a TV to put in our bedroom temporarily so we can watch it for a little while? And then when it's done, I can bring it down to the office in the shop, and it can be one of my big monitors down there, and I can find a use for it. And... It was so weird because like 15 years of like, no, we don't need a TV in our bedroom. And we were both just like, yeah, let's do that. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) And so I went to look up the TV, the same TV that we have in the living room. It's half the price of what it was when we bought it last Christmas. Yep. Half the price. <laughs> that's insane. And so, of course, I'm going to buy it. I'm like, hey, that's like half the price of what it is. So, Sucker. I bought two. I have now. Yeah, exactly. So, I have two of the same Sucker. TV, way bigger than I need for the bedroom. But it was like you know, 600 bucks. I mean, that's like totally reasonable for <laughs> TV that we don't need. I, I had almost the exact similar experience. Maybe, maybe not. I was packing my bags this morning at 6 o'clock in the morning. Well, really, like 5 in the morning, 4 in the morning. And I want to take my drone with me. And it didn't fit anywhere. And I, I literally had, I like went online and I looked up the Spark. I'm like, all right, I'll just buy the Spark when I'm there. I want it anyway because it's smaller <laughs> than this one. And then I like <laughs> held it up and I'm like, this is tiny. I have the Mavic. It's tiny and it's like brand new. I used it like 15 times. I am not going to buy the Spark. Unless someone hands it to me for free, I am not buying it. So I made that. Like I, that was like the mental machination I had. So I just yeah. I made some room in my, my shoulder bag and I stuck it in there. So I was able to bring it with me. <laughs> and I said, I go, oh, let me buy the let me buy the spark when I get there. It'll give me something to do, keep me occupied. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you have this and it works perfect. Do not do that. So, so when the GoPro six comes out in another month or so, are you going to throw away all twenty five of your GoPros and get a bunch of sixes? No, no, I'll just add it to the lineup. I'll get one. I'll get okay. one six. Because my five looks like, like it looks like it was in a rock tumbler. You should see my five. It's like so beautiful. <laughs> my five you, session just you, gave out, and I just had to, go, had to buy a new five session. I, I just like bought it. Uh, I walked in and bought it at a store and just loaded it up right there and then. But, but Jimmy, you've been wearing your GoPro around your neck, haven't you? Yeah. Where is it? Yeah, I Which, wear it on a beaded chain. I think it's a brilliant idea, and I've actually thought about stealing that idea but maybe with my phone so my phone is just a little bit more convenient and i can start documenting things throughout the day 
Hmm. But yeah, that's brilliant. So this it's morning, always on the ready. Uh, yeah, it's always there, and then like almost nobody notices it. Nobody, nobody like looks down and goes, "Is that filming me?" Like one. That's what I was gonna ask. Like once or twice, and like since I've been wearing this like kind of pretty consistently. And if I walk in and it's like weird, and it's like I just like if I'm gonna have like a personal conversation with somebody, I just tuck it in my shirt so they don't even see it. But I, I mean, of course, I don't record anything. I don't need to. But this morning when I went through the TSA in Albany, they started fiddling with my backpack because it's got the the drone in it. It's got 17 GoPros in it and hard drives. And and, and I just I was like, this should get interesting. So I just pushed the button. Like I just offhanded like it's like like when you see a cop, all of a sudden, the, you know, the, the body cam goes on. So I just pushed the thing on and – then I just stood there while they literally went through and took open every – I have like all kinds of little zipper bags and they went through everything and, and it all got down to like one little thing of hand cream. I got, you guys ever get the free t- man tools? It's like hand cream and face wash. It's like this thing they promoted a, like a year ago. They sent it to everybody and they nope, thought we were nope. all going to talk about it. Now I'm talking about it. And that guy goes, dude, would you like to check your bag? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to check my bag for three-ounce tube of hand cream. I go, just throw it away. But – I had the whole experience on the body cam, which I forgot I turned on like eight or ten minutes before the whole experience went down. When they mm-hmm. held my bag back, I'm like, well, let me just turn this on, see if this gets interesting. And the two of them, like a total trainees, they're looking at each other like, is this, is this a leak? Is this, is this? <laughs> is this like, dangerous? I don't know. Nah. What did the manual say? <laughs> they're like two young guys. They're probably in their mid-20s. They're like TSA guys. And neither they kept looking at each other for the answers and neither one of them knew them. Anyway, I was able to for, get out of there, but I got the whole thing on tape. That was a long story. For a selfish reason, reason, can you tell me how much of that footage actually makes it into your vlogs? Just curious to how no, how well that, that works out for you. Oh, I'm very, very selective. Like if I'm going to be – well, this week the vlog is going to be uh, – I was walking through the park the other day and I just turned it on to see guys like juggling and stuff. And I walked up to this couple that play the banjo and the upright bass incredible and i i taped the whole thing from the camera hanging on my neck and i said can i use it in my vlog this week i took his card i'm going to promote him. incredible 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 so it was pointed up a little bit so you don't really see like his feet in the banjo which was kind of you know my mistake now i know to kind of point it down further but this week i'm going to have a couple of bits and pieces in there for sure and uh it's also good too when last week i unloaded the metal tools and i had it hanging on my my stomach so it was like kind of right up, right up my chest. And so I turned it on just in case anything good came out of it. I looked and I'm like, you know, if I roll this in fast forward, it'll look okay. So I do get stuff that I'm kind of on the fence whether I need or not. That's that's the point. It's like, do I really need this? Mm-hmm. Or do I not? Well, I'll look at it later. If it looks good, I'll take a few seconds out of it. And I'm wondering that's what if I mean. you could, uh, on you know, you have it hanging on your neck and maybe hot glue like a stick on the bottom of it. So you can pull it out and use that stick up against your body as almost like a steady cam. Oh, yeah. Well, that's funny. Yeah. I just walked in when I got into the LA airport. I, I kind of just, I grabbed it and I turned on the camera and just walking through. And then the, the, the thing in LA that's like the familiar airport thing was right outside the window. So I just kind of held it out from my chest a little bit, but with my hand. So it wasn't bouncing, bouncing a little. So I can get a couple of... Mm-hmm. Literally, I need like 10 or 15 oh. seconds of like readable footage. Oh, you do have the chain. So you could use that almost as, as a steady, like you hold the yeah. chain up against your body and then pull it away from you. Last That's week I had Chippy was running through the grass near a barn and I just held it on the chain right in front of him as he was walking. So I didn't even have to <laughs> bend down or anything. And the kind of the chain gave it a little bit of a of a steady cam feel, a little bit. Yeah. I remember seeing that, that clip yeah. when he was running he was through just, the grass. He was just like, yeah. Look, huh. 
just on a chain. But it didn't have any like. I guess you just have to be careful not to get it to twist and like it, you know it, it could start swinging it back and absolutely forth. did, yeah. and that's why it's you know you, I'm always looking for just like ten seconds, like five or good ten seconds of something. And if it's not if it's if gotcha. it's cool and it's not long enough, I just stretch it out, put a slow song under it. There you go, <laughs> Jimmy tricks. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Stretch it or compress it. Any other good shop nice. stuff like uh, the idea? What I can't stand is I love Robert's tips, screws, you know, that the Canadians use all the time. It's just a little perfect square for screws. I love those. I just haven't converted my whole shop to them yet. I'm still using Phillips. Hmm. And the Phillips tips, I remember as a kid when I was working with my dad, the Phillips tips would last for weeks at a time. Now, like one good, the tip snaps off and they always dull. Yeah. They dull so much faster than they ever did when I was a kid. It's really, it's really obvious. I remember like... My dad had like two or three extra tips. Now you need a bag of them when you go on a job because you break the tip right off and like a bad – and then the screws are all really bad. They're not being made very well anymore. They break off so easy. When you're halfway through a piece of hardwood, they'll just snap off or they strip out. I had a lot of people, I had a lot of people ask me over the past couple of months for some reason like why I don't use Torx uh, screws, uh-huh. which is like the five-star yep. – five or six, whatever. Yeah. And it was one of those things like, I don't know, I've just always used Phillips, <laughs> you know, like I've got tons of them. I mean, that's kind of what I've always used. And the only time I've ever used that Torx style head is decking screws because the, about the only decking screws that are coated that you can buy have that head type in them. That's right. And they work great. I just never even considered switching over, you know, like you said, switching over the entire shop to use a different type. Um, I guess it'd just be a matter of starting to buy those you know, when I buy new things, but I always just gravitate towards what I know. Grab Phillips. Yeah. And they're easy. And then like, they always end up being like the thing you buy when, like I'm not doing many installs lately, but whenever we would go and do an install and of course we never had the exact screw we needed. So we'd got to go buy a box of five, one and five, eight. So a box of two and a quarters. And so we always end up with extras of everything because I don't have them with me on the job site and I bring them back to the shop and I got right. five boxes at the shop, but I didn't bring one. So now I have six boxes that I used five screws out of. <laughs> and that's why I end up with so many Phillips and it's hard to kind of convert back to like a, a Torx or, a, or, or, um, the Canadian square head. What did I call it? A Roberts. 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 Roberts or Robertson's. Robert. I forget. But hmm. yeah, I, I I'm would, not familiar with that name, but uh, I I would love to see an improvement in screws. And mm. I mean, I always thought of like a little, and I think they make them. I just haven't seen them used on a on a wide basis. Where that when the tip goes in, it grabs a little bit. So like you have like the Phillips head with like a little tiny T on the end of each blade, so that when it goes in, it locks in both directions. Mm-hmm. So it has a little bit of give when you stick it in, but then when you turn it, it locks under a little ledge. But I think that's a matter of manufacturing the Phillips with like a little undercut inside each head. Oh so, yeah. That'd be way tougher to manufacture. Yeah. On a, on a you know, hmm. a million per day type of basis. So I don't know. I would like to see improvements with screws, but magnets. Yeah. Magnets would be awesome. Oh mm-hmm. no. We lost David's audio. All right. I have to switch microphones here. So I had one last question about the future. Where do you see video content creators and their shops? What do you think would be different for us? How we film or document or show off our projects? I think, well, I mean, there's always going to be a wide range of, you know, there's always people who are just getting started 
who use whatever they have on hand. And then there's people that have been doing it longer. And there's always going to be that cycle of those, you know, some people will start, they'll be doing it longer over time and they'll improve their equipment and all that stuff. But I think as kind of the first couple of generations of content creators, independent content creators are getting more mature in their shop and in their production, I think we're probably going to see much higher production values in the next like five years which is only going to continue, I think, to cycle like in the next 50 years, you're going to have multiple generations of people who have built up from using their phone to having like a full on production, you know, video production house in their shop. And I think that's just whereas now, you know, there are a handful of people who always stick out as like, wow, man, their stuff looks really great. Like they do all this extra work and editing. I think that number of people who are at that level of quality is just going to be like way bigger. Is that going to create a greater barrier to entry? I don't think so, because I think there's always going to be that like people, that group of people who are just getting started and they're using their phone or their like whatever holograph watch or whatever it's going to be in like 50 years, you know, to like Calculator to get watch. started. And they're <laughs> yeah, they're going to use whatever they have. And there's always going to be that that like group of people who are just want to do it and they don't care what you know if it's like the best thing in the world. They just want to get it done. And as they get better, there'll be another group of people behind them who will come in and say, like, I'm going to use my holograph watch to shoot this video of me making a laser bandsaw or whatever. No. Mm-hmm. So that's my opinion. But I like I, I like the uh, the gantry cameras, and, and I wish I used them more often. The uh, the steady cams, like the little GoPro steady cams, and the Osmos, oh. those kind of cameras. I, I like mm-hmm. using those because I, I have a, a love hate relationship with the tripod. But I need to use the tripod because I speed things up. If I do any handheld yeah. stuff and it's the only footage I have, I begrudgingly speed it up because it looks horrible because it's handheld. So I definitely – I got a tip. Go I ahead. got a tip. Yeah. Shoot those things in 60. My editor told me to start shooting oh. those things at 60 FPS so that he can slow them down and get a smoother movement. Oh, okay. That's really good. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just going to – Try and use that thing more often, the uh, whatever it's called. What is the GoPro right. version yeah. called? The Karma. The Karma Grip. The Karma Grip, yeah. So I have this new – it's a monopod, but it's got feet oh, yeah. on the bottom. That's and awesome. Th- so the feet doesn't take up a, much of a footprint. And so in a small shop, when I need to use it as a tripod, it, it works great. Now, the camera could easily be pushed over. You just have to be more careful with it, but it's – it's hmm. super cool. It's a just it's out of the way. Yeah, now. that's pretty awesome. Uh, I mean, have you seen any stability problems with that? Like, have you almost knocked it over several times or anything? No, no. But it's one of those things I do worry about. And so what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to build a little kind of like a, a, a C-shaped holder on on the wall. And so whenever I'm not uh, using the camera, the camera goes in that little holder. Good just idea. To make sure. Nice. I want to do the the football thing that whether you see the football players like the cameras like right over them as they run. I'm gonna do that in my new shop. So I'm gonna have like a cable that goes oh. from one side to the other. So when I get my sheet of plywood and we do the overhead shots, I read there's so many times now we've done the overhead shots, but we put them on this like 25 foot pole which I gotta pack up and put away. But I want to make something where it's always like okay, go to the overhead GoPro and it's just always ready to go for those table saw shots. Can't you fly your drone in your shop? I can, but it's it gets because there's some interference inside there. It's a little tricky. I, I, the GoPro is easy because 
it's just it, I could just do a static shot and you see the equipment and the you know the material moving as opposed to go ahead. If can I, I have a suggestion if you don't want to make it real complicated is it have it so it, it rides on rails right, but there's a mm-hmm. downslope. So uh, you set it on one side and it slowly goes down to the other side, but you have something where you can change the tension on there to change the mm-hmm. speed of the camera moving as it goes across the shop. Oh yeah. Ooh, and you could you could put like a cam on one end of it, so you could turn the cam to raise and lower one end of it, so you could have the slope go in either direction mm. from one end of the shop to the other. Wow. So then I'm gonna have to like run around the shop with like the na- the nail gun in my arm, like it's a football, and the camera's gonna have to follow. Me. So I run and hurdle all the sh- <laughs> all the stuff in my shop. <laughs> That'll never happen. No, but I like the idea of overhead that's cam cool. that's always ready. So that that's that's a thought. Because I mean, when I now that I got space and and the first couple of videos I did in that shop when I did those overhead shots, everybody was just like blown away. So was I. When me and Brett were looking at it, we were looking at it on the iPhone, you know, remotely, and we're like, "Whoa, this is really cool." So I want to try and hmm. do more of those. Awesome. Well, we got any other uh, thoughts on the the shop of the future <laughs> to the year 2000? Uh, let's let, let's see I what don't. people want to put in. Yeah. You know, let's see if anybody has any interesting ideas. Do we want to make a hashtag so that people can listen to this Friday and hashtag and we can see it? Uh, yeah, shop of the future. There you go. That's shop a good of the future. That's a good yeah. one. <laughs> cool. That's what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, you guys have been watching anything? Anything new? Uh, nothing new. I'm going to pick a video that I talked about last week, but I want more people to see it. And that's the Andrew Klein video called Curves and Resawing with One Bandsaw Blade. And I just rewatched it again today, and it's such a great idea. So I'm going to throw that in there as my pick. Yeah. I'm going to talk about Andy Klein in my vlog this week. Um, I, I'm just going to nice. talk about my, my video that came out on Rockless. So I'm going to be selfish. My new cabinet build is out on Rockler right now, and uh, it takes a long, slow build on the Rockler videos, but it's the, I'm up to episode four of my Rockler series, and I'm really proud of the work I'm doing over there. It's it, They're coming out really good, and and uh, I have, uh, for my obligation, I'm, I'm going to make six videos in total for them, and then hopefully I'll get to make more after that series is over, but uh, I just made a cabinet that goes inside the foyer in my old farmhouse, so check that out. It came together. It was like one of the most grueling difficult things because it all came in all at the same time and I was hmm. moving in and it was a very difficult grueling process but it all comes together in 15 minutes in the video so take a look nice yeah it's good looking thank you um I know we've talked about him before but like I watched one of Trustin Timber's videos mm-hmm. whose name is not Trustin mm. I was bummed to find out his name's Cody but anyway he's a really cool guy um We've talked about him before, but like I haven't seen because I said I haven't been watching a lot of stuff lately. I haven't seen a lot of the new things that he or anybody else has put out. But I went back and watched one recently where he uh, fixed a canoe. I think they found a canoe like in the river that was all beat up and stuff, and they brought it back. And he did fiberglass repair on it, and I, it's just so cool. Like he's just really good at telling stories with very little talking, if ever. Um, his stuff is just shot really well. He has like great pacing with music and he's a filmmaker yep. who also happens to be a woodworker and it's just, just really cool stuff. It's great. So, he came out of nowhere with such a passion for this business and what we all do. It's it, And he's such a passionate dude. Real sweet guy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, yeah, so go check him out. And I guess got to thank our Patreon supporters, of course. Um, especially Wise Old Dal, Jedediah Schultz, Evan and Caitlin, Corey Ward, Malton Make, A Glimpse Inside, Works by Solo, Torbel Terry, I got it right again, and Make Build Modify. Um, we've had lots of new uh, supporters on Patreon, and we're grateful for it. It's it's really awesome. Those people who support us there at any level get an after show where we just yammer on for another 15, 20, 25, 30 minutes. So, uh, oh, and if you are one of those people that has access to that extra after show thing, you can log into Patreon now and get a link for an RSS feed that's just for that show. So you don't have to listen on the Patreon website anymore. You can get the feed and put it into your podcast player. So you can listen right after you listen to this one. Beautiful. That's awesome. Well done. Yeah. Um, so that's it, I guess, for this week. Uh, thanks to all the people that support us over there. And we'll see you next time. Later on. Yeah. Bye, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what I love. You know what's coming to mind? You know that song by Randy Newman, I Love L.A.? I wonder if I'm going to love... Yeah, I wonder if I'm going to love L.A. We'll figure that out in time. <laughs> you, got, you got four weeks to find out. So. <laughs>